This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. And trying to make an adjustment on the ball is Michael Pittman. He catches it, and he rumbles across the goal line. Touchdown, a 42-yard strike. Aaron out downfield, down the far sideline, looking for Zay Jones, and it's intercepted by the Colts. He's in! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined every week by Colts Ring of Honor wide receiver Bill Brooks to break down the Colts' latest game. Bill, a uh, chaotic game is how I described <laughs> it in my post-game article on Colts.com, but the Colts win 31-28 to in overtime over the Tennessee Titans. The Colts are now 7-5 on the season. We'll kind of get into the playoff implications here in a little bit, but the the overarching thing, Bill, that I just got out of this team, being in the locker room at Nissan Stadium after this game, was this team just has this certain belief that like I can I can sort of describe, but I want I wanted you as someone a, a former player to kind of talk about what that feels like in a locker room when you're in December, you're in you know these games that just matter and. You're in a playoff race and you're having weird stuff happen all over the field. But ultimately, deep down, you're like, yeah, we can go win this. Like wh- when when you talk about the Colts belief, what do you get a sense of it means for this team's playoff chances and how important, how critical is it to have this kind of inscrutable, unquantifiable aspect of this team right now? Well, the, the the only thing I can compare it to is when I was with the Buffalo Bills and we would play a game and there was sometimes there were games where we didn't play well and we would be down and, you know, just not able to move the ball or we weren't able to stop someone. But there was this belief that the guys had um, with each other that someone was going to make a play to change things around. Um, you know, if it was someone on special teams or on defense, you know, getting a sack, um, getting a block punt or a block extra point, a block field goal, receiver making a play, running back making a big play. We always had a feeling that someone's going to make a play to change the momentum or change things around. And when you have that confidence, you go into each game knowing that you have an opportunity to win a game. And when those guys believe in themselves and believe in their teammates, and have that belief that no matter what happens, what goes on um, in the game, that someone's going to make a play to turn things around, and we're going to get this thing right, and we can win these games. There's not a game that we cannot win, uh, no matter who we're playing, or no matter who's in there playing with us. If it's someone that's in there um, giving one of our stars a break, or getting someone rest, or someone's injured, Someone's going to make a play to change things around. And then once that momentum stops coming our way, we're going to take the momentum and hopefully win the game and change the game and and uh, get a victory uh, for our team. I mean, it's it's like, and we're going to get into the game here in a little bit, but just anything that happened in this game, you're sort of like, okay, like how, how are the Colts going to figure out a way to win this game? And there are teams that, you maybe look at them on paper and you would say, yeah, they, they have more, they have more talent than the mm-hmm. Colts, but they find ways to lose games more than they find ways to win games. 
I think about, I mean, the the team that comes to mind here, Bill, would probably be the Buffalo Bills right now, where yep. you look at that mm-hmm. team that I think everyone kind of assumed coming into the year, all right, like they got Josh Allen, you got Stephon Diggs, you got, you know, stars on that team. They're they're perennially in the playoffs. This should be a playoff team. But you look at some of the games they've lost, and it's almost like they, you know, they found a way to lose against Denver. Um, they somehow found a way to lose against Philly. Um you know, they, they found a way to lose against New England and the Colts right now on this four game winning streak are finding ways to win. And it, it's almost like, I don't know if that's too simple of an explanation, but ultimately you feel good about, I mean, the Colts had two, okay, technically not two block punts today, but two block punts right. today. Right. And that they didn't have a, you know, they didn't have a block punt all year. And all of a sudden, okay, well, that's another reason why you won this game against the Titans that you just keep finding these things. And to me, Bill, it starts with Shane Steichen. It starts with that. The belief comes on down from Shane. And it's not like, it's not some like corny Ted Lasso thing where he's got like, you know, the believe sign taped up over his office. It's like (laughs) these players believe that Shane Steichen is going to put them in the right positions to win, that the coaching staff that Shane has assembled is going to put them in the right positions to make plays and then that their teammates are going to execute their positions and their jobs. And then themselves, the players individually are going to execute. And it's like, it's all just coming together right now for this team. And it's you, that's how you win a game as crazy as this one was on Sunday. Exactly. And to me, it's that belief you got You have to have that belief, not just in yourselves, but you have that belief in the coaching staff. You have that belief in the play callers offensively defensively special teams and you have a belief that you know what we might not have called this play um or practices play during the week but this is a play that we put in maybe two weeks ago but you know what the coaches think oh this play can work this game we're going to use this play this week we didn't use it last week i know but we're going to use it this week and the players believe in the coach that okay this play will work so they go out there and they try to execute the play the best they can knowing that, hey, the coach believes that we can accomplish this play and be successful on this play, let's go out and do it. And they believe that they can do it. And when you have that belief, it, it's hard to explain, but when you have that belief, you just know that it's, the play is going to be successful. You know that, you know what, we're going to win this game. And you have that belief in yourself and in your teammates. So that goes a long way. And, and when the players can believe in the coaching staff and the coaching staff can believe in the players, that, that goes a long way in the season when you go out there and play, you really feel that we're going to win a game. There's not, there's not any team that we can't beat, and no matter what's happening during the game, we're going to find a way to win the game. And right now, they have that belief that no matter what happens, they're going to win that game. All right, let's kind of set this up with the impact of the Colts' win over the Titans in the AFC playoff picture. The Colts are still seventh in the conference, but to me, Bill, the results around the league went about as good as they could possibly go for the Colts today. You have the Arizona Mm -hmm. Cardinals beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, 24 to 10 as a three and 10 Cardinals team going into Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett sustains an injury. Mitch Trubisky comes in. Um, That'll be something to keep an eye on maybe going in to week 15 when the Colts play, uh, play the Steelers. 
In Los Angeles, the Browns get rolled by the Rams 36 to 19. The Browns and Steelers are now seven and five, same record as the Colts. And then the Houston Texans, in kind of a pivot game in the playoff re- race, they knock off the Denver Broncos 22 to 17. The Texans are seven and five. The Broncos fall to six and six. Um, the reason why you probably would rather have the Texans win is that you do play Houston again. So you have a chance to win the head to head tiebreaker with the Texans. So right now, the wildcard standings, Pittsburgh is fifth at seven and five, but you do play Pittsburgh later in the year. The Browns are sixth, also at seven and five by virtue of their week seven win over the Colts. And the Colts are then seventh over the Houston Texans by virtue of their week two win over Houston at nine and 10. You have Denver and Buffalo, both at six and six. Um, You look, you go to the New York Times, their playoff simulator bill. Mm-hmm. They have the Colts as the second highest odds now among the wildcard contenders to make the playoffs. The wow. the teams I just rattled off there, Houston has a 78% chance to make the playoffs. The Colts are at 67%. The Browns are at 60%. The Steelers at 54%. The Bills are at 15%. The Broncos at 21%. So again, you can talk about the all, the, all you want on that, but this is a big win for the Colts to yep. kind of just at least like hold serve in the playoff race, if not continue to plant your flag. Hey, we are a playoff contender that is going to need to be reckoned with down the stretch. Definitely. We are. The Colts are are letting people know that, Hey, you know what? We're, we're here. We're here to stay. We're going to play hard every game that we're in. We're going to play hard and we're going to play physical. And, you know, they did that today. You know, at Tennessee wanted to play physical. That's their style of football, but the Colts held their ground, played physical with Tennessee um, beginning the game didn't start off that great for the Colts, but they, they, uh, you know, they they bowed up in the second half. They played well and made some plays and made the plays they needed to make. And I think going forward with the rest of these games they have now, um, you know, the all but one uh, are AFC opponents. So you know what they have the Atlanta Falcons, the only um, team that's not an AFC opponent. So they're going to be important games for the Colts to go out there and win and. If there are any type of tiebreakers in the AFC, they hopefully they can uh, have those tiebreakers. But that's what you want as a team, as a player. You want to have the opportunity to kind of control your own destiny. And they have that right now by going out there and playing well and hopefully winning games. And if they can do that, you know what? They'll be playing in the playoffs. And um, I'm sure they're not thinking about that. They're trying to think one game at a time. And Right now is enjoy this win against the Tennessee Titans, but then get ready for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, let's talk about that first half of this game as we kind of dive into the Colts 31-28 win over the Titans. Tennessee gets up 17-7 uh, early in the second quarter, and it, it's kind of looking like Tennessee's got the game right where they want it, mm-hmm. where Derrick Henry's rolling, Tajay Spears is running the ball really well. Uh, Henry starts it off with a 22-yard touchdown run four-play, 64-yard opening drive for the Titans uh, where, you know, Henry has some big runs. They had some deep, you know, he had the deep play action to Chigo Conquo. The Colts counter with an Alec Pierce touchdown, uh, the 36-yarder from Gardner Minshew. But then again, it, it kind of felt like the the game was going the way the Titans wanted it to go, where Henry was running it well. They were staying ahead of the change, and they were able to hit some of those play action shots with Levis where he didn't have to do a lot of straight drop back. Mm-hmm. and he was working from advantage quite a bit. I guess when you kind of, when when we get into how the Colts kind of got back into this game, Bill, 
early in the game, are you watching it and you're thinking, this is like, th- this is going the way the Titans want it to go. No, like what was the challenge? I guess the Colts faced when they got, they got down by 10 early in the second quarter. And again, it kind of felt like everything was going the Titans way. Yeah, it felt like everything was going the Titans way, especially um, from a running standpoint, they were running the ball. They wanted to run the ball and, Derrick Henry in the first half had 17 attempts for 89 yards. He had 5.2 yards per carry. And, you know, it looks like they were doing what they wanted to do. They wanted to impose their will, run the ball, make sure that they ran the ball, and hopefully get some play-action passes down the field and take some shots later. And then, of course, stop our running game. In the first half, Moss had seven carries for 18 yards. So, you know, they're trying to stop the run. So it looked like everything was going their way. Um, but you know what? The coach stayed the course. They didn't panic. And as we talked about earlier about believing, and when you're believing, you don't panic and you just say, you know what? We're going to stay the course. We know what we're doing. And you know what? And, and they continue to do that. And when you do that and at the end of the half, I think what the score was 17, 13. So mm-hmm. you're in, you're in the game. So, you know, even though you didn't play well, um, you were over five on third downs um, yep. you didn't you know you weren't successful on third downs but you're only down four points so you're pretty you're feeling okay that you know what we're only down four points and we didn't play well and they they played close to as probably as, as well as they could play in the first mm-hmm. half and then you feel like hey we're gonna get the ball back in the second half starting off in the second half we can uh, do something once we get the ball back and if if we can do something once we get the ball back it's going to be a different football game yeah, that that Titans offensive line did a really good job in the first half. Like they yeah. were, they were playing at a pretty high level. They were not looking like a unit that you know was kind of regarded as one of the uh, more leaky ones in the league. Um, you know, you talk about the the run game. Henry going seventeen for eighty nine. Tajay Spears had five for twenty seven. So that those two guys combined for five point two yards per carry. Uh, excuse yep. me, five point three yards per carry in the first half. But you go down into the into the second half, and and like you said, Bill. You get close enough that you know you're you're not you're not out of it. You get a couple field goals. Yeah, you wish you'd executed in the red zone. Uh, Gardner Minshew loses a fumble down there, um, but yeah, you you get within striking distance, and then the, this defense kind of figured some stuff out a little bit. The the second half, uh, before Derrick Henry went out with a concussion, he was only averaging three point three yards per carry. Tajay Spears, um, the third and fourth quarter he was averaging 3.5 yards per carry. So the Colts were able to figure out, all right, here's how we're going to stop the run. And then that forced Will Levis into having to throw the ball a lot. And frankly, that's not, that's not a strength of this team. Um, He got sacked three times in the second half. It it was sloppy uh, for that Titans offense. And that kind of allowed the Colts back into this game. I just, I, I was just so impressed with this defensive line that this is the last game without Grover Stewart. Yep. Grover is going to be back Monday. He he is back in the game plan, back for the game against Cincinnati. Um, but to kind of, this was the game where I was the, out of all of them, this is the one I was the most worried about. How is yep. not having Grover Stewart going to impact you? And early on it, it looked like it was. And then they, this defense, they turned it around. They figured some stuff out. And they went out there and they executed. DeForest Buckner told me after the game, it was, you know, it was mostly self-inflicted. 
They felt Mm -hmm. like they were just kind of, you know, making mistakes in the first half that were their own doing, but uh, really, really good to see that turnaround on defense. That's kind of where the Colts comeback started for me. Yeah, I I agree with you, JJ. And I think if you go from, you know, even go from the second quarter, I think Tennessee's second drive in the second quarter from that time on to sometime in the fourth quarter, I think Tennessee Titans went three and out five series in a row. And two of those was a block punt and a fumble yep. that the Colts got back. So to me, you look at that, that stretch of football right there, give the defense credit for, you know, getting them off the field, not letting them score. And then on top of that, special teams come doing a good job, complimentary football, doing a good job, creating a turnover, blocking a punt, Stewart picking it up, taking it in for a touchdown. And then, you know, you get another fumble, block punt fumble, and the Colts get it in good field position and uh, they get a field goal. But, you know what, they get it in good field position. But it's uh, what you want. So give the defense some credit there to um, to going out there and making a play and changing the momentum of the game. And that's what it takes. It takes a play like that to change the momentum of the game and give you some momentum, give you confidence, and then they put the Titans back on their heels. And, you know, they were probably like, oh, here we go again, knowing the limitations they had on offense, especially with Will Levis at quarterback. All right, let's talk about the the block punts. Um, mm-hmm. The first one was, if you go back and you look at it, the Colts have four guys lined up on the, the right side of the Titans formation who are like, they're almost like shoulder to shoulder. Like Trevor Denbo's arm is like inside uh, at a Tommy at a Barre's like elbow. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the Colts saw something and it winds up uh, their long snapper, Morgan Cox. He, he doesn't block anyone. There's they, they essentially then put four rushers for three blockers. And number 81, Josh Wiley, has to make a decision. Do you block Nick Cross or Shea Luby? He blocks a Luby. Cross then blocks the punt. Uh, (laughs) And then Grant Stewart goes, scoops it up. I mean, Bill, you've probably been in that situation before. Running full speed and picking up a football? Not the easiest thing to do. Exactly. Not not easy. Exactly. Not easy to do at all. And for someone uh, like that, but he, you know, he's a good athlete. Uh, give the young man credit. He's a very good athlete going out there, can make plays and for him to pick it up and then to take it home. That's what you want to do on special teams to uh, score touchdowns and you know block punts and field goals and, and extra points and things like that. But they blocked the punt. He picked it up, scored, changed the momentum of the game, gave the coach six points. Um, a little different afterwards and as far as going for the two-point play and the ball getting deflected and Tennessee taking back and getting two points out of it, but um, you know, give give the Colts credit for blocking the punt and getting some points out of it. The second one was, I mean, incredible. So there, there's a lot going on on this second. It, it didn't wind up being a block because Tony Brown got there so fast that he literally, like Ryan Stonehouse, didn't even punt the ball. It got exactly. ruled a forced fumble, but we're going to call it a block just for ease here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot's going on here, Bill. So the Titans initially 
they put their gunner in motion, their gunner on the left. He comes in motion toward the formation. As soon as he does that, the Colts go into a check. And both um, they're kind of their defensive. I don't even know what to call these guys position wise. So I'm sorry if I'm screwing this up. Like the guys who'd be defensive tackles in a normal defense. Uh, mm-hmm. They flip from being head up on uh, 85 and 57 on Tennessee almost kind of the two outside guys to head up on the two inside guys over who are next to the long snapper. Grant Stewart's like running around. You've got uh, Nick Cross swapping spots with Tony Brown. And I think all this is just like, if I had to guess, this is all just eye candy to kind of get the attention of the Titans, all that movement that's going on right in front of them as Tony Brown starts sneaking up to the line of scrimmage. This is so awesome because Tony, okay, the guy goes in motion. Then Tony immediately starts sprinting toward the Titans punt block or punt protection formation. But he's mm-hmm. like running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And then right at the snap, he goes in there and uh, 81 Wiley doesn't see him. And he just, no, literally no one sees it. Like Tony Brown just comes in unblocked. No one's even close to him. And he just knocks the ball out of Ryan Stonehouse's hands. Absolutely incredible. And Bill, I, I want to talk about this, not just from the, the execution on the player's part, but when the Colts hired Brian Mason, their special teams coordinator from Notre Dame, where he had, I believe, the Irish had eight blocked punts last year, including one in five consecutive games. I texted someone uh, around the program there, being like, what do you know about Brian Mason? And he told me, he's got he's like a mad scientist. <laughs> with some of the stuff that he dials up and I'm looking at this and I'm like all this eye candy in front of the Titans. And here comes Tony Brown, the le- legitimate track star at Alabama, just sneaking in parallel, yes. parallel, bam, takes off. It was like, I mean, it was like watching a mad scientist, like creation come to life. It was awesome. Awesome to see. It was nice to see that they could design something like that. Um, and knowing that, Hey, look, you know what? This is what we talked about earlier. Coaches using players and putting them in positions to make plays using the speed of Tony Brown and Tony Brown doing a good job of being disciplined to run down the line and not jump off sides, not go early, but when he had to go, he went and no one was, no one touched him. And he had a straight line straight to the punter. And that's why, you know, he got there so fast, the punter couldn't even punt the ball off. And so it was not considered a block punt, but a fumble. And, Give those guys credit and give Tony Brown credit for making a play like that, um, getting a fumble, getting the ball back to the Colts in good field position. But give the coaches credit for designing a play, designing uh, the punt block for them to go out there and change the momentum of the game and for Tony Brown to get a, um, to get a, a block there. I, I just was amazed how free Tony Brown was going in there. Uh, with no mm-hmm. one there even touching him and the speed he got there. I mean, Tony was shot out of a cannon um, when he took off to, to block that punt and he got there so fast that was just a fumble. It wasn't a block punt. The other upshot for that, that last play was Ryan Stonehouse got injured on it. Um, yeah. it, it looked like a pretty bad injury. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys on knees, um, you know, around him. Certainly you never want to see that happen. 
the Titans had Ryan Stonehouse. He was their holder on field yep. goals, which mm-hmm. is usually what you see. Usually the punter is the holder. So mm-hmm. Ryan Stonehouse gets injured on that play for no fault of Tony Brown. He just, he got there really no. fast. Like, I he mean, it's a, it was, a, it was a, that's a football play still. Yeah, but it wasn't and, a dirty play. Right. So Stonehouse goes out. Ryan Tannehill comes in to be the punt, the holder. And you're thinking, okay, they lost their punter. How is, how are they going to replace him? Nick Folk, their, their kicker did a totally fine job punting. Like it was yes. totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. The issue was when Nick Folk went to kick the game or the go-ahead PAT after DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins touchdown, Ryan Tannehill was the holder. The hold did not look very good. And Nick Folk, who had not missed a PAT all year and had missed one kick all season, misses the PAT wide left. That keeps the score tied at 25 instead of the Titans going up 26 to 25. The Colts didn't score on offense the rest of regulation. And it wasn't like they were, they kind of packed it in and said, we're, you know, well, let's play for overtime. They were trying to score. They would have been trying to score. It would have been the same situation. So legitimately that Tony Brown block or forced fumble might've had just as big of a long lasting impact on the game as the actual act of it. Exactly. I mean, it, it had an impact on the game. It had a big impact on the game because if you look at Tannehill holding um, for the extra point there, you know, I, I, he got the ball down, but the laces were sideways. They weren't pointing towards the goalposts or pointing towards the line of scrimmage. And the laces, when he got them down, were sideways. And then also, it looked like it took him a little longer to get the ball down. It looked like it was a little slower process for, for him to get the ball down um, for the kicker to, to folk to make the kick. But you know what, that timing, just that l- second longer or a second too long or whatever it may be, that was enough for folk to miss the extra point. And that's a big that's a big play for the Colts. I mean, you know, maybe they go up one point and the game is a different game at that point. But you know what, he missed it and uh, Colts go into overtime. The, uh, there, there's so much that happened in this game, Bill. Like so much that, you know, we're talking about the blocks. We didn't talk about the Titans getting a pick two where after Stewart scores the touchdown, Mm -hmm. the Colts go for two, which is the right call in that situation. It's 22-17 at that point. You go for two because if you get it, then obviously you're up by seven. Um, The last thing you're expecting is the ball, you know, guard. they try to throw this kind of like inside screen to Zach Moss. And the ball goes through Moss's hands right to Monty Hooker, who runs it back like 100 mm-hmm. yards. All of a sudden, that makes the game 22 to 19 instead of at worst case, you would think 22 17. And then what after the uh, the Tony Brown fumble, the Colts can only manage a short field goal. So then it's 25 19. Then when the Titans go down and score the touchdown, they could have taken the lead had Nick yes. Folk not missed the PAT. It's like all this is tied together. And it's just, it was remarkable just how every little thing in this game mattered so much, especially in the last 16 minutes of regulation. Like every single play mattered so much in this. 
It, it did. Um, and that's why the coaches always tell you, you never know which play is going to be the, the play that makes the difference in the game. So you have to play each play like it is the most important play in the game. And like you said, you, you don't know which one it is. Um, in this case, it was, I think, it was one of the most important plays was, as you stated, Tony Brown um, blocking a punt, creating a fumble there, I should say, instead of uh, calling a block punt. But that having an effect on the special teams as far as the Tennessee Titans are concerned as far as going for an extra point um, because their holder got hurt and so he couldn't go out there. So it affect them. Also, it affect um, the Colts went for two and the ball went off of Moss's hands, deflected off of Moss's hands, and uh, Hooker picks it off and takes it back and gets two points for them and changes the game and things like that. And then, you know what? It's 25-25. So uh, one play has an has more of an impact than probably a lot of other plays in the game. And I think that one impact play was Tony Brown creating a fumble there and then hurt um, their chances of actually getting an extra point. Um, so every play is very important in the National Football League. You just don't know which play is going to be the most important play. And the coach, you know what? They made more plays than the Titans. And thus far, thus, thus the Colts won the game. A couple things to talk about on defense before we kind of get into the offense late in the game. EJ Speed had three tackles for a loss, um, including that that one where he just shot through the gap. And I think it was mm -hmm. a loss of, I think it was only a loss of one, but it was on a, a running play really big in the second half. And then the Colts had six sacks, six more sacks for this yep. team. <laughs> Samson Ebicom gets two sacks. Oh my goodness. Quiddy Pay gets two sacks. Uh, Jake Martin gets a sack. DeForest Buckner gets a half sack. Eric Johnson gets a half sack. Get this, Bill. The Indianapolis Colts are second in the NFL with 42 sacks right now. That is, the, this defensive line is playing, you can argue, you can make an argument that they are playing like one of the best defensive lines in the NFL right now. And I know they've been allowing some rushing guards. Guess who's coming back? Grover Stewart. So you're telling me, Bill, you're dropping Grover Stewart, one of the best run-defending defensive tackles in the NFL. You're dropping him into a defensive line that has 42 sacks. If you keep that up, and now you can defend the run better because Grove is back in there, oh my goodness, Watch you're out. looking at... Watch out. I mean, seriously, this defensive line could get better than they're playing right now. Exactly. I mean, and the way they're playing right now, they're, they're doing a... A phenomenal job of just getting to the quarterback, getting sacks, getting strip sacks, playing very well, doing a good job out there. And then when you get you have an opportunity to get Grover back, and they can hopefully that will help them against the run. And then you could continue to get pressure on the quarterback and continue to get sacks. That's going to go a long way for this defense. Give Coach Ollie a lot of credit for what he's doing out oh, there yeah. against those, with those uh, defensive linemen and not just having the talent out there, but just making sure those guys are fresh, they stay fresh all game long, rotating guys in and out, having some depth out there on the defensive line, and just, just playing, just balling, just making plays out there. And, you know, from all the guys, Tyquan, DeForest, uh, Tevin Bryant, uh, Tommy, uh, Quiddy, Dio, all those guys just making yep. plays. And it's and the fun thing about it is 
is someone different making a play and those guys are just playing hard and playing well together. And that's why I like seeing those guys playing hard and playing well together. And you mentioned all the people who had different sacks today. So if they can continue to do that, wow. I feel sorry for all the uh, opposing quarterbacks and <laughs> opposing running backs, especially if the, when Grover gets back and, and then uh, those guys getting pressure on the um, opposing quarterbacks. Other thing to note here, um, Colts didn't have an interception today, but they are fifth in the NFL, 12 interceptions. And the Colts are second in the NFL with 16 forced fumbles. So this defense is getting it done when it comes to splash plays. And so you're talking about a defense. Let's just to, to kind of recap that. A defense that is second in sacks, second in forced fumbles, and fifth in interceptions. That's going to get it done. Like over the course of a season, that's going to get it done. The odd thing is the Colts are allowing 24.7 points per game, which is 27th. But they're getting those splash plays that if if your offense is keeping you in it, those just give a jolt to the offense. You get momentum. You get big plays. Um, and even if you're giving up, that again, that's how you win a game where you give up 28 points, right? You get those yeah. splash plays on defense. You get those splash plays on defense and you get those splash plays at the right time. Um, timing is very important. If you get them at the right time and get some of those big plays, it, it can help you. Now, of course, I'm sure the defense wants to tighten up some things there to not allow so many points. And it, it makes it a lot easier for, of course, the offense to score points. And if the offense can score points and the defense can hold the team down, uh, that will, of course, help the team out. But, um, you know, right now the Colts are getting some splash plays and, making those big plays, the sacks, the forced fumbles, um, plays like that. But that's something they probably want to tighten up a little bit more as mm -hmm. far as definitely holding teams down um, so they don't score so many points. And um, especially if they can do that, and especially in the fourth quarter and clo continue to close out games, that will be very good for the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the defense, they will do it. I think they'll tighten up um, down the stretch here. And if they can do that, they'll bode well for the, the Colts' defense. All right, let's talk about the offense. Um, we, we've made it long enough, right? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the This game for the Colts offense where they couldn't get the run game going. Zach Moss goes 19 for 51. Um, the big difference for me, Bill, and I talked about this with you guys in the pregame show, Tennessee had T.R. Tart on the yep. field. Their run-stuffing defensive tackle, he did not play in week five when Zach Moss went for 165. Um, to me, that was pretty notable that mm -hmm. he was out there. Um, but Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce both go for over 100 yards, and they both cross that that mark right when the Colts needed it. Um, Alec Pierce gets his first touchdown of the season on a 36-yarder to open the game, but then he, the Colts don't go back to him for a while. They tried one deep ball down the far sideline. It looked like Gardner Minshew had like, – overthrew him it looked like Alec had a yeah. step if that pass had been completed um earlier in the game that probably would have gone for a touchdown too but to stick with Alec and give him that opportunity again late in the game like that is and, and for Alec to deliver on it Bill to start with him to me that's just such a testament to the kind of player and like the, just the kind of mentality that Alec Pierce has because we're talking to him after the game and he said he doesn't really look at stuff that much. 
Like he 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 knows. All right, yeah, there are people out there who probably are trashing me, but he was like, you you could literally find anything. You could probably find someone on on the internet who thinks Tom Brady is the worst quarterback of all time, <laughs> and it, uh, you probably could. He he also knows. Yeah, there are a lot of people out there who do support me. And he's like, I I don't really look at any of that stuff. I you know I try not to think about it all that much. But for Alec to be able to deliver in such a big moment where, you know, the the Colts in this game, they're three minutes to go in overtime. They're down by three. And if if this ball isn't completed from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce, maybe the Colts go down and maybe they still get a touchdown. But maybe they just get a field goal. And maybe we're talking about a tie. Instead, oh, no. uh, great route by Alec Pierce on this. He gets inside leverage really quick on Sean Murphy bunting. Good route combination by the Colts where uh, Josh Downs kind of locks the uh, – he, he kind of locks Imani Hooker mm-hmm. from following Pierce deep. And then a, just a great ball by Gardner Minshew. Good catch by Alec. Uh, it's everything you want. It's it's everything you, you wanted out of Alec Pierce to be that downfield threat and for Gardner Minshew to trust him in a situation like this and for – Frankly, for Shane Steichen to dial up a play where you've got a shot to to go take it, and hey, go trust Alec Pierce. Maybe he hasn't been the most productive this year, but we know what kind of work he's been putting in behind the scenes. We know what kind of player he is, and we think he can still go make a play in a big spot like this, and he absolutely did. Give credit to Alec. Um, someone that's been just practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing his craft, uh, trying to get better every day, every week. And you know what? He's... He's not someone that's complaining that, oh, I'm not getting enough targets or things like that. He's just going out there doing his job. And you know what? There was going to come a time where they're going to go to Alec and he's going to have to make plays. And today was that day. You know, he starts off with a nice touchdown. And then I think the biggest catch to me was the one he had in overtime. I mean, that was a big catch. Um, He ran a nice route, uh, created some separation, created some space. Gardner makes a nice throw, gives him an opportunity to go get it. He gets it, holds on to it, and puts the Colts in perfect position to go down and score a touchdown. So give him credit. And I and the young man, you know, he stays pretty even keeled. I don't, you know, you look at him and you see him around the building. You don't, you, you, he always has a smile on his face. He's mm-hmm. happy. Uh, he's enjoying his, his teammates. He seems like he's having fun with his teammates. Uh, they're laughing and joking and, and just uh, having a good time. So, Give the young man credit for just being a person that is wanting to be a good teammate and going out there and continue to work and work and work. And like anyone else, at times it could get frustrating when you're going out there working so hard and you're not getting as many targets as maybe you want or you like. It can be very difficult, but give the young man for having a good attitude, going out there, continuing to play. And you know what? Good things happen to the young man. The man catches a touchdown, and he makes a big play to set up the winning touchdown for the Colts. For a big play to work, it's not just Gardner and Alec on this play. Correct. It's it's everyone. So re-watching it, Bill, a couple things that stood out to me. Um, the first is Arden Key, the Titans mm-hmm. defensive end. He tries a spin move on Bernard Ryman. Bernard Ryman's like, no. And just <laughs> routes him upfield like it's no one's business. And um, um, yeah, that one didn't work. Uh, on the <laughs> other side, at defensive end, Danico Autry is rushing. Drew Ogletree gives a great chip on him. Just it just rewilds him 
reroutes him upfield that Blake Freeland literally doesn't even have to like touch Danico Autry on this play. Um, and if watching it back, Gardner releases the ball, Drew turns around from kind of running into the flat and just like puts his fist up in the air. Like, yep, that's that. Uh, we got it. We got it. Uh, before Alec even comes down with it. Um, like great pocket. Josh Downs runs a good route that occupies, uh, you know, again, kind of occupies eyes long enough that Alec can get behind the defense and Gardner makes a great throw. Like so many times, like we talked about this a little bit, but like, there, there's kind of this thought that Alec has been getting open a little bit more than people might think, but mm-hmm. for these deep balls to get completed, you got to have a clean pocket. And that means all five offensive linemen, in this case, Drew being kind of a, you know, five and a half with the chip, they got to mm-hmm. do their job. And then the quarterback has to make the right throw. And then the wide receiver, wide receiver has to make the great catch, but the other receivers have to run their routes properly to make sure that you get the look to the deep ball you want all that working in concert in such a big moment credit to the players credit to the coaches for coaching it up and scheming it well um just a great play yeah and and give credit to the the other teammates that you mentioned jj because those are the type of things you need for players to be successful is yeah we all see gardner throwing we all see alec making the catch we see those two players making the plays but believe me gardner knows those guys up front they're giving him time. And believe me, Gardner appreciates that. Alec out there running that route, he knows that his fellow receivers and uh, other players out there are doing their job to help him get open and knowing that the offensive line is giving him an opportunity uh, to get downfield and give an opportunity to, opportunity to Gardner to get the ball to him. So believe me, when they watch that film, they know that. And you know what? Alec will be very appreciative of Gardner, very appreciative of uh, Drew Ogletree, of the offensive line. They're going to be appreciative of those guys doing their job. And to me, that shows that's a good sign of a, a team that is together. And mm-hmm. when you're when you're together like that, you really work hard for your teammate and you want to go out there and play hard for your teammate because, look, those guys helped me make a big play. I want to help these guys make a big play too. You know what? So it, it might come – next week or it might come in three weeks, but every play that you you're assigned to, to do out there, as far as I should say, maybe every assignment you have on each play, you need to make sure that you do your assignment. You do your assignment, not just for you to get the ball, but for the play to be successful. You might not get the ball, but the other, your other teammate might get the ball. Gardner might throw the ball. Gardner might run the ball, whatever it may be. You're playing for your teammate. So you have to do your job and, and carry out your assignment. The game-winning touchdown to Pittman, um, he shared with us after the game. Awesome play, right? It's the exact same play the Titans ran to DeAndre Hopkins for a touchdown Mm -hmm. uh, in the the fourth quarter where you get man coverage with two wide receivers to the field and you force the the defensive backs to switch. So the outside corner carries – is lined up over Alec Pierce, Pittman's in the slot, and you kind of force the outside corner to carry Pittman, the inside guy carries Pierce, and the outside corner is not quick enough to get to Pittman, who runs a great route, um, breaks it off nicely, Gardner throws the ball on time, boom, touchdown, game over. Um, really well-designed play, really well-executed, and again, you talk about, you know, Gardner didn't have to rush his throw. Um, he, he didn't, 
you know, he, he didn't have a, you know, interior pressure. It looked like uh, Harold Landry maybe got a little bit of late pressure on Blake Freeland, who was in there for, uh, for Braden Smith, who exited the game with a knee injury in the mm-hmm. first half. But, you know, Gardner had time. He, he saw him in his field of vision. He knew what he was getting. And bam, Michael Pittman, touchdown, game over. Game over. Nice play, nice design. Uh, get the ball up pit. Uh, it was a nice play. Like I said, they had to switch it off from a defensive standpoint. But when they switched it off, it, it, it created a nice lane for Pitt to catch the ball. Um, Pitt acted like he was going out. And then once he got out, came back in. Uh, when they switched it off, like, right there as far as the defensive backs. And nice throw by Gardner. Hit Pitt. Pitt caught it. Game over. Just this a, this a well-designed play. Um, a good play. And to me, that's that's a lot of film study, knowing what type of defense you're going to get down there as far as the coaches knowing, hey, this is what they're probably going to do down here. Uh, we're roughly inside the five-yard line, around the five-yard line. Um, this is what they're going to do. So let's let's run this play. And, and uh, Pitt should be open. And sure enough, Pitt was open. Garner put it on him. Game over. One other thing to just kind of mention here, Michael Pittman Jr. now has the most receptions uh, in Colts history among players over their first four seasons. And uh, it's pretty good history to be a part of with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and and yourself, Bill Brooks, in that same group. Um, Pittman, he just like every single week, this guy just, you can see he just works his butt off and teams know, teams know like the Colts are going to throw the ball to Pittman a lot. But that doesn't matter. He had 16 targets, 11 receptions, 105 yards today. It it doesn't seem to matter. He just, he's so good at finding space. He's, he's so good at knowing where the, the first down markers are. He turned six of his receptions into first downs. And yeah, his longest reception today was 14 yards. But like, this is another really good game by Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. And no, like I said, it's only 14 yards as far as as long as the reception, but that's who he is. He's going to be the guy that, that does the dirty work in the middle of the field. He wants to catch the ball in the middle of the field. He's going to catch the ball around linebackers. He's going to catch the ball around strong safeties. He can catch it on corners, of course. But he doesn't mind that. He likes, to me, I think he really enjoys the physical part of, of the game. And he wants to be the guy that, hey, when it comes to crunch time, he wants to be the guy that, you know, I want the ball. And, and to have a player like that, believe me, it makes, I'm sure it makes Gardner feel good uh, knowing that, Hey, he wants the ball. He's not going to be someone that's afraid of making the play in crunch time. He wants the ball in crunch time. He makes the plays. That's why he makes those so many first downs because he wants the ball in third down. He wants to make those catches and he does. And just the man to to me, as I watch him play, doesn't look like he gets tired out there. He's been, he's been very consistent. He's, um, He's very physical out there, and he wants to be the tone setter out there. I mean, a lot of times he's out there, he's he's running over people or he's making a block downfield. So give Pittman credit for being a leader, um, being a guy going out there, just playing hard. And you know what? You, you like to see that because, to me, he it looks like he's having fun, and he is uh, making the game look fun by him going out there playing hard and playing the way he is. All right, well, we had a lot to get to on this podcast, Bill. A lot <laughs> happened in this yes, game. a lot. I think we got all of it. We probably missed <laughs> something. Um, 
I'll have plenty more uh, on Colts.com throughout the week, and we'll have more here on the Colts Audio Network on the official Colts podcast. That'll be out on Tuesday. Before that, Colts Roundtable Live will be out on Monday with Matt Taylor. He will be joined by head coach Shane Steichen, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights on that show. On Wednesday, Inside Football with Rick Venturi will be back breaking down the Colts' win over the Titans and blueprints to beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday next week, a week from today in Cincinnati. Thursday, another episode of the official Colts podcast presented by Win Las Vegas. That'll be out. Bill Brooks, you'll be joined by Casey Vallier, Matt Taylor, and a player to look ahead to the game against the Bengals. And then Bill and I will be back on Sunday following the Colts' road trip to Cincinnati. Quick trip down the highway to Cincinnati. We will bring another episode of Instant Reaction to you then. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Instant Reaction right here on the Colts Audio Network. Talk to you next week. So long.